Welcome to BR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. There's been a huge interest by schools, especially post-secondary, to use VR for training of technical skills. And one person leading the way in this area is Joe Millward, who's the Innovation Manager at TAFE New South Wales Digital Lab. Joe's going to share with us his journey and experience with using VR to engage students. So welcome to the show, Joe. Hi, Craig. Thanks for having me. You know, this is a standard question I always ask my participants, and that is, what got you interested in VR in the first place? Well, my story actually goes back to 1996. I was a bartender, and um, we were lucky enough to have a virtuality machine where uh, one of the alcohol vendors had actually set up a machine. So uh, if you bought two drinks, you got to try uh, the ter- uh, the there. <laughs> which wasn't, I think, the best idea uh, because obviously back in those days, your yeah, frame rates were quite terrible and uh, it was very um, motion sickness inducing. So for me, it was amazing to be able to get into that space. I didn't have to have a drink as well, which was helpful, but it was a, a glimpse into a space I'd never thought of. I'd been an animator and interested in animation from a young age Uh but this was a, a complete evolution of that. And it really started getting me interested in technology as well as the creative side of things. Oh, that's such a good origin story. I've, uh, to tell you the truth, I have asked that question 57 times, and I bet you that's one of my best examples. So good job. Thanks a lot. Uh, tell us a bit about TAFE New South Wales and what, uh, what you guys are doing with VR. I know we'll unpack some more specific stuff, but in general, sort of what's your mandate? You know, what what's the mission that's driving you guys forward? Sure. So TAFE New South Wales has been around for over 100 years. We're a government organisation. We're actually part of the government and we're a training uh, organisation that focuses on vocational training, so trades, um, as well as other things. Uh, we've got about 1,200 courses, over 400,000 students and over 130 locations. The remit for the lab was to actually look at emerging technology and how it would be applied to training and learning. We had quite a broad remit when we originally started, but we realised that augmented reality and virtual reality was so dominant, such a dominant technology that was emerging, and it took uh, requires a lot of focus. So that's an area we focus quite heavily, as well as artificial intelligence was another area that the team focuses as well. So that was where we we narrowed that focus, but. Pretty much now the team is dedicated looking at how XR technologies and AI can assist with training and learning. I looked on your website and it gave me a teaser to a research study that you guys did with uh, a company called We Discover. And you guys conducted an interesting study related to the efficacy of VR as a tool for learning. Can you give the audience a bit of a taste for what that study was about and what you found out from that study? Sure. It was a really interesting study and it was important that we used a third parties and we discover were great. Uh, they're an ex, a, a company that um, looks at CX, so customer journeys. Um, they basically assisted us to build a practical version of some of our VR scenarios 
And what we had um, was two groups of students. One group actually did learning, pre-learning before they did the practical scenario in a traditional method. So it was a pencil and paper, multi, multiple choice questionnaire where they understood the steps and techniques that were required to do the practical scenario. The other group were able to use our virtual reality scenarios, which mimicked the scenarios they'd be doing in the practical world. So out of those two, we had plumbing, uh, personal protection, um, and welding. Those three experiences, on average, we saw about a 40% increase in assessment results from the practical scenario of the students that went through virtual reality. So we were quite happy with that result. Besides that, what were some of the anecdotal things that the students said once the study was over? Overwhelmingly, they found the virtual reality content was way more engaging. So we saw about an 88% increase in engagement. And the students that did the traditional training all wanted to try the VR. So we allowed them to do that after they'd done the test. So for us, we saw the students embracing the technology quite readily and we're excited to, um, to get into it. The other part also is the retention we found. Students were able to almost recite what they had to do in that scenario because they'd done it before. So it was really easy for them to grasp and retain that knowledge. You kindly sent me uh, a snippet of one of your applications and I got to try sort of the healthcare application. And I was so impressed by, A, the realism of the volumetric capture of the 3D assets. And then more importantly, I think, is how interactive it was. Like I was always asked or invited to grab something and and hold it or use it or, um, you know, engage with it. So does, does TAFE have certain standards or protocols when you decide to adopt VR as a learning tool? Definitely. We are really focused on making sure everything we build is authentic. So using the technology and the spatial environments that are built to their ultimate nth degrees is really important. There's no point putting things that can be delivered on a 2D screen into a 3D environment. So as you as you mentioned, everything's fully interactive. The actual um, the 3D content that was in the space, um, even though it looked like a volumetric scan, we actually had to recreate it from CAD. So we worked with a company called Werfen, and their device um, was the the Gem 5000, uh, Gem Premier 5000, which uh, they gave us the CAD files too. So we had hyper accurate um, uh, modeling of that of that device, which is really important for these nurses that need to actually be trained and retrained constantly on that device. So we wanted to get it as accurate as possible. And then the other part, obviously, is make it engaging, make it something that isn't watching a video or clicking through a website. Um, so everything was part of what they do as 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 uh, they use that device and understanding how to uh, take blood with that pathology machine. So, yeah, really, really uh, important for us to make sure that realism and authenticity is there. Of all the VR experiences you guys have in your library, are they all focused on hard skills or are there, you know, another sort of journey by some companies is, of course, soft skills and teaching kids about, uh, you know, empathy or teaching them about, uh, you know, unconscious bias, anything in that realm or is it all focused right now on hard skill training? Initially, it was all focused on the hard skills, um, mainly because a lot of the uh, courses that we have require those practical elements. But what we quickly, quickly realized is that the soft skills are as, as important. 
So for me, it's it's um, an area that the team is discover, uh, exploring this year. We're looking at conversational agents. Um, so for us, it's, we see that's going to be the evolution um, of the technology. That technology is still relatively early. So the team's working with another uh, number of third-party vendors that have some technology, and we're testing that at the moment. You know, there's so many topics, even within the umbrella of something like nursing or plumbing. And you you mentioned this already, maintaining authenticity in learning is so paramount. And, you know, VR is not necessarily a magic bullet. You know, it it is helpful at sort of stimulating some topics and learning objectives, but not everyone. So how do you guys decide when you look at all the curriculum amongst all the schools that you guys are rolling this out to, how do you know where, you know, where you start in regards to throwing a dart at a dartboard and saying, okay, we're going to use VR to help with that plumbing objective or with that nursing objective? We use a number of criteria to actually determine what we see is important for um, the learning outcome, but also for the organization as a whole. Probably one of the key ones is the number of students that are actually enrolled. Um, the nursing um, experiences, um, you know, healthcare is a big part of TAFE, um, but also childcare is another area we've been exploring. And that's got one of the largest online student component uh, cohorts. So for us, it's it makes sense um, to start to explore that space. The other areas, are we, we use Jeremy Balenson's um, sort of criteria of dangerous, expensive, rare, um, and impossible. Um, so looking at those things, especially danger, uh, and dangerous scenarios are really important for us to replicate. We're in the process at the moment of looking at um, some construction site um, uh, experiences, which will obviously assist students to be able to understand the potential dangers before they're going out into a practical scenario. Uh, that's really important. Probably the last thing for us is having really engaged teachers. So if we've got a teacher, an SME, who's really excited about the technology, sees the benefit, that makes our job so much easier. None of my team has an education background, so we, we rely heavily on our learning designers and our teachers to ensure that what we're building hits the mark for what they need to be delivered in class. One way to up immersion is to add or include haptics into the experiences. So for those users that are maybe new to virtual reality, haptics is like the buzzing of your controllers when you interact or touch something. And I've I've been in the VR sort of world for a few years now and looked at lots of enterprise and education experiences and, and haptics is still quite a rare affordance. Why did you guys decide to add haptics? And was it a lot of work? And is that why many people haven't included haptics in their uh, educational experiences yet? For us, haptics is another mechanism. Another, The senses that you engage in, in, in the virtual environment, as you know, the more senses you engage with uh, more realistic feelings uh, are really important. So and that touch thing is super important and it makes it a lot easier from a navigational perspective so if you go go to touch an object or pick an object up and get some kind of feedback you're going to feel that it's you know more tangibly there and, and that increases that immersion uh, actually installing haptics isn't particularly difficult doing it well is probably the hard part so you can turn buzzers on all the time but uh, actually having subtle nuances between the haptics is the things that we really try and focus on that that married with spatial audio so we've got a, actually got a, lucky enough to have an audio engineer in our team uh, who focus heavily on audio. So in the uh, Werfen experience that you tried, you would have heard 
people walking down the corridor behind you and that's in a spatial environment so they're actually behind a wall and you can understand it's a bit muffled so you've got that increased sense of immersion again by adding another another sense to that that's that space you know there's this belief that if we train people in vr they gain confidence of course and also this term muscle memory especially for enterprise vr where it's very procedural so they can do it more over and over again in the vr world before they have to actually try it or do it in the in the real world um have you measured in any way that transfer because um some some organizations have yet to sort of see the efficacy you know they can they can measure how well they did it in the virtual world and they can say that their efficiency rate was up to 100% in doing this procedural uh uh experience but then they get into the real world and they're not sure how accurate outside of the VR world we're exploring that at the moment as the uh, pathology device experience you experienced the Werfen device. We actually partnered with New South Wales Health um, and rolled that out across 11 nurses initially. Uh, and But we we're about to um, partake on another three tests of that. So these nurses will have not tried the, the device before. They'll do the virtual reality training and then they'll physically be hands-on with the device and we'll see results from that. The initial results we had were fantastic. The, the nurses found that they were able to understand the concepts a lot quicker uh, when they uh, when they did the virtual reality training, then trying to come in cold and, and, and use the device. Um, it was a facilitated training session with a physical uh, trainer with, with, the per, uh, with the physical device, but they still found that they were, you know, straight away able to know what they needed to do uh, without having guidance or, or as much guidance. And the goal for that organisation is to, to work with New South Wales. So, so Werfen has trainers in um, uh, another state in Queensland. And obviously with the pandemic, they haven't been able to travel. So for us, it's, it's, it's uh, become a, we actually started that process before the pandemic, but it's become even more important that they're able to send out a headset to a nurse, they're able to train and be effective straight away and then use that device hands-on. So that's where we're trying to get to and uh, we're happy to share those results as they come through. Mm. Joe, you alluded to this earlier on, and again, I can't help but reiterate how impressed I was with uh, the quality of the 3D assets that you had in the in the nursing experience that I uh, looked at. You know, are, is all 3D content, is that the goal then to have all 3D content within uh, your virtual reality learning experiences to be made in CAD and not through volumetric capture, or are there pros and cons to both? Oh, no, definitely we're looking at both. Um, we see volumetric capture, especially with the new um, iPhones that have come out with LiDAR. Uh, that's a really quick way for us to capture an environment, and uh, we, that's we'll see some experiments coming in, in the not-too-distant future around volumetric. The other part, we've also got a, an amazing artist who's helping us recreate humans uh, in virtual reality. So we'll have some digital humans in our next experience, but using volumetric to leverage that as well is, is equally important. So we see opportunities for both. It's never one or the other. We always try and make sure that, um, you know, we're looking at the latest technology. The other part also is we are trying to basically digitise the entire 
experience uh, in TAFE. So allowing a student to be able to jump into any type of scenario and if we can quickly capture a volumetric uh, scenario uh, and allow them at least to be in there from a spatial perspective, uh, even if it's not as interactive, they can at least see the environment. If we're able to do that quickly, um, then it's, it's a benefit to, to us as well as the students. You know, not only that, but it reduces the initial anxiety. A good example was I talked to a lady, her name was Shannon Poopman, and she does work with kids who have autism. So kids who have severe autism, anything new, any new environment for them is just overwhelming. Like if a parent wanted to take their son or daughter to a restaurant due to their condition of autism, that would be so uh hard for a student or a child with autism. So what they used is virtual reality to capture what the restaurant looked like and put the student or the the uh, person in VR just to get a sense for their surroundings before they're actually dropped into uh, the real restaurant. So uh, yeah, there's efficacy to just having a sense for what is your surroundings. Now that sounds amazing. I mean, we're really... Uh, quite aware of the accessibility um, challenges that some uh, students may have as well. Uh, we have a number of students, uh, about 11% of our cohort has some form of disability. So that's a, a massive number that uh, if you're talking about over 400,000 students, it uh, becomes quite a large number that we have to anticipate what their needs may be and, and things like that for autistic um, people or people on the spectrum that may feel more calm once they've actually been in an environment, as you mentioned. That sounds really exciting. I assume so far most of your experiences are asynchronous. And is there any talk or is anything on the the business model roadmap to think about offering face-to-face -face synchronous classes in VR classrooms where the instructor's in there along with the learners and they're engaging in the material in real time? Definitely. We actually started looking at multi-user three years ago. Um, when we were using HTC Vive Pros, and it was a very expensive exercise, and we realized we wouldn't be able to get the scale to justify having multi-user in place. So we put it on hold, and probably this year will be the year we start to, to definitely explore that. We're about to roll out a, a number of virtual reality classrooms across five locations inside TAFE, and that'll add to the opportunity for us to have multi-user. So we're looking at different platforms at the moment and, you know, we've done a lot of experiments already, but it's it's uh, it's an area of, of growth and we see social VR being a huge part of that. Mm. I'm excited to see how that goes. I'm just about to start a design thinking class with Victory XR because they uh, teamed up with Engage to offer these synchronous VR classes. So I'm excited to see what you guys are doing in that uh, venue or avenue as well. Yeah, thanks for that. I, I, I think that Steve Grubb and the team at Victory are doing a great job and, and showcasing what's available as well as Engage. So we, we know those guys, uh, all those guys are really well. And um, yeah, we're excited to work with any partners that are doing a good job. Last year, I remember and noticed that you presented at the Educators in VR conference, which was held in Altspace. What was your talk about and do you plan on maybe presenting again this year? Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, the talk was on um, translating training requirements um, into immersive experiences. I've known Daniel, uh, who's one of the founders of the Educators in VR space for quite a while. I actually met him in virtual reality for the first time uh, in uh, in Engage. And uh, the, we were lucky enough to meet up in person at AWE 
uh, but we've been close friends since then. And he actually reached out to me uh, just last week and we're looking at uh, when my next talk will be, but I've, I've spoken with them a number of times and they do a fantastic job, so I'm excited about the next opportunity. Joe, is there anything left unsaid maybe that you feel the audience might want to hear w- with regards to what you guys are doing? Sure. I think the, the, the really interesting times coming up in the next three years, we've been um, around for about three years, but I see the shift is going to be dramatic in the next three years. So I think that it's important that uh, your listeners and teachers out there start to embrace this technology and at least understand what things are, what, what's going on uh, because we're at this early stage of virtual reality where people are jumping into these virtual spaces. But when we start to move into continuous augmented reality eyewear as well. We're going to have a melding of these technologies where you're going to have digital assets being available to you in a classroom with real students. You're going to be able to bring up a holographic uh, piece of um, equipment or or some other um, 3D content that your students are going to be able to engage with. But you've got to be an expert in the room. You've got to be the person who understands how that's going to work. And this is going to shift really fast in the next, I'd say, three to five years. Um, We're going to have this period, I think, of people not thinking it's going to happen and VR's dead and AR's dead or whatever's going to happen. And then suddenly there'll be a light switch moment where everything will get turned on and it'll be like the iPhone and smartphone adoption, things like that. We'll see a hockey stick rise in this in this technology and it'll become ubiquitous so i think people need to get ready now uh being canadian i appreciate the uh hockey stick metaphor (laughs) uh and to be honest i saw just this week blooms bloomberg put out an article predicting that uh, apple is hoping to come out with a headset soon so you know if apple's getting in the game things is get things are getting serious so yes definitely Well, you know what? Thanks so much, Joe, for coming on the show and sharing with us your journey and what you guys are doing. If listeners have more questions or are just interested in what TAFE uh, New South Wales is up to, how would they get a hold of you? I'm more than happy for people to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I've got uh, plenty of contacts there and I'm always happy to to connect there. Or they can email uh, us at digitallab at tafenewsouthwales.edu.au. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Joe. Thanks a lot, Craig.